This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hey, I'm Mr. Wow. And I'm Mrs. Wow from Waffles on Wednesday. And when we're not eating waffles, we're stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it is totally already a killer day. Why do you ask? Because since we're all holed up here, Joe's mom just made us waffles for International Waffle Day. Top those puppies with whipped cream, Nutella, maple syrup, and you're in business. Come join us and tune in today because it's our first ever Ask Us Anything episode. I hope they're not asking me. Anyway, let's see what both of you crazy listeners have in store. Hey, Joe, are you sure two people will have enough questions for a whole show? That's your problem now, pal. But... We'll also talk headlines, and I'll share some of my amazing waffle-themed trivia. And now, two guys who were quarantined in a basement way before it was the thing everybody did. Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Would you say we're the OG quarantine team? Yeah, Absolutely. We're just early. We're not wrong. It's like the circle of life. You know, you hold on to a pair of jeans long enough. It comes back in style. You hole up in mom's basement. It's going to be cool someday, man. Look at everything. I can attest to that jeans thing. (laughs) It's cool to have holes in your jeans, right? Well, now it is. Good. (laughs) It's about time. Absolutely. Everybody, welcome to Wednesday in just another day in the basement. I'm Joe Salcija. I average Joe Money on Twitter. Across the card table from me. The guy who's more surly than ever, 
Mr. OG. You've had some fun, I'm sure. Syrupy than ever is what you meant to say. I'm syrupy. Syrupy. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm going to apologize to Jesse, my, my Met Pro coach right now. Cause I was all about waffles this morning. As you saw, I was, here we go. A waffling, a waffling we go. Isn't it great? Is there some play on words there that we're about to do and ask me anything and it's international waffle day? Here we go. A waffling. Anyway. Like, like we're going to totally talk around, Everything. One thing we're not going to talk around is the amount of help that we get from professionals to make this show. How about that? Huh? That was a good one. Big thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. We have a great show today because you are in charge. It's time for your questions. I'm sure we're going to get some good ones. But before that, of course, in these days, believe it or not, OG, we got a couple headlines that we might want to go over. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, as mom says, let's uh, take these lemons, OG, and make some lemonade. This comes to us from Investment News, and this piece is written by Emil Halez. Emil writes, retirement conversions on sale and other retirement advice amid the market crash. You know, you got to look for an upside when uh, markets drop as much as they have. And here is one or maybe two. The recent market dive is many people worried about retirement, but the sell-off also presents some opportunity, several advisors said. Our friend Bo Henderson, CEO of Rich Life Advisors, been on the show a few times, says for anybody considering a Roth conversion, the bear market represents, quote, a sale. Since assets and tax deferred accounts like 401ks and traditional individual retirement accounts are down by as much as 30 percent, doing a Roth conversion now means investors will ultimately pay tax on a smaller asset base. That, my friend, is a great idea, OG. That's making lemon bars out of lemonade. It totally is. Has to do with. It's your lemons. I get all that mixed up. It's making uh, waffles out of out of flour. lemon waffles. Duh. Eh. No blueberry. Do you like orange and chocolate? Some people don't like the orange chocolate mix. I'm not a big fan. It depends on the day. Definitely oh. depends on the day. Yeah. Any day that ends in Y. Any. any I don't know why I came up with orange and chocolate, but yeah, yeah, probably not. But that is a fantastic idea. Like um, conversions. You're like. Reel this runaway train in, OG. I like Roth conversions. Good idea. But don't get suckered by them. Like we were talking about on Monday, people say, oh, hey, I'm going to get my my refinance on. I'm going from four to three. And you factor all the costs in and all you did was save 2,200 bucks, you know, versus doing it yourself. You you spent all this time and energy to not really save anything, you know, if your plan is paid off 15 anyway. You get the Roth conversion bug and you go, this is awesome. I can convert 300,000 for really cheap. Yeah, but that still puts you at the 35% bracket. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's cheaper. It's less expensive than it was a month and a half ago, but it's still. But it's less money. You know, 35%. Now, if you find yourself in a lower tax bracket or you have an opportunity to, you know, and I think this is what he was talking about here. If you can fill up that lower tax bracket with more IRA dollars, it stands to reason that that makes a lot of sense because when that tranche of money does recover, you get that next 30% gain for free, 
which is a good idea. So, but be careful. Uh, Bo also says in this article that people closing in on retirement should be thinking about the whole idea of sequence of returns. And do I have enough money in my reserve position? If somebody's retiring right now, OG, or in six months, what do you Nobody's think? retiring right now, unless they have to. That's what I was thinking. I think if you're deciding to retire today, you're probably pushing that thing back, aren't you? If you put your retirement papers in February 1 for March 1, right, you, you were already retired when this happened or starting to be. And at that point in time, you should have already had your two years worth of emergency fund. That's what we talk about is have two years worth of worth of distributions in your portfolio. And then when your account value goes down a certain amount, you got to decide what that is for you. But when the volatility takes your portfolio down, then start drawing from cash for the next two years. Now, a lot of people might have retired March 1st, breached that wall March 20th, and are now on cash for the next two years. But that's fine. That's where they are. But if you haven't yet retired, gosh, I really don't think that there's a lot of people going, yeah, I'm still going to retire on April 1st. But if you did it the way that you're talking about, and you have cash for the next couple of years, you've set this whole thing up, right? You've got a solid financial plan. Is there anything wrong with retiring right now? Or would you still wait? Uh, I would wait. <laughs> I mean, if you had the choice, right? I mean, maybe you don't have the choice. Maybe you've kind of already started down that path too far. But um, I don't suspect that this is a depression, recession, bear market unlike any other. So I feel like they're going to, going to look the same on the on the backside of it but you've got a sure thing which is you know an income stream right now and unless you have so much margin of safety which you might then yeah maybe you can delay it a little bit not going anywhere anyway so (laughs) that's true (laughs) might as well might as well work from home (laughs) might as well stay at your house and earn a paycheck if you can unless you're like me and you're just backed up on your video games you're like man i gotta I tried playing video games, by the way, all weekend last weekend because we weren't going anywhere. I have to tell you, dude, by Saturday afternoon, I was so bored. I was so incredibly bored. I actually started raking leaves in my backyard, something that... um, You haven't done in two and a half years, (laughs) as evidenced by your backyard. Hey, easy. I'm sitting right here. Our second headline comes to us from The Motley Fool. This piece drives me crazy. This is written by Catherine Brock. Three reasons not to save into your 401k. Oh boy. I had to find a headline that had nothing to do with coronavirus or the down market or pick something that we can't get away from. Probably those two headlines, right? But amidst any big problem, you'll still have somebody writing gibberish like this piece that Catherine Brock has here. Yeah, sorry to uh, spoil it about what I feel about this piece. Actor Samuel Jackson didn't get his big break in Hollywood until he was 43 years old. That's an unconventional path for a movie star, Catherine writes. And a reminder that the road to success isn't the same for everyone. Just as Jackson found his way to stardom, you can find your way to financial independence with or without contributing to a 401k. So it goes through the fact that there are three situations for saving your 401k may not be in your best financial interest. Number one, there's no employer match. She says, I'm not even going to read what she writes here. How do you feel about 
Somebody that says, I'm not saving into my 401k because there's no match. Uh, well, should I be mean or nice or like, what do you want me to say? I mean, that's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, I get that you don't have, so what? So you just, I can't retire today. Why not? Cause I don't have any money. Why don't you have any money? Because my employer didn't match me anything. <laughs> that's like one of those like memes. It's like slow blink, slow blink, slow blink. I mean, it may suck that your employer doesn't match anything, but it doesn't mean you can't put money in your plan. It's, it it is amazing. The easiest place to save is through work. Get the money before you see it. The money's out of sight, out of mind. Easiest place to save. Behavior is the reason we don't do anything. OG. Why would I nitpick the fact that I don't make your life easy? Yes. Why would I nitpick that? Employer matches is icing on that cake, man. I mean, it's great. Well, it used to be if you only had, let's say that you have $6,000 that you can save this year. You might say, well, the reason I'm not putting it in my 401k, I don't get a match. I'm going to put it in my Roth instead. But most 401ks have Roth options now. Right. She actually actually lists that in here. She said, you might want to start with a Roth IRA or a health savings account. I don't buy the HSA. That's like a nice to have. It's got some really cool benefits. We have talked about ad nauseum, but, but I don't think it trumps a regular retirement account. The only, the only way I'd get behind the Roth would be if there's any chance that you might need the money. But if you might need the money, then that's probably why you need to put it in your 401k. So you can't get the money because of behavior issues, you know, ready for the second one. Don't save into bring your, the lumber. Don't save into your 401k because the fees are too high. There you go. Hey, are you going to retire today? Nah. How come? I think an employer match and the fees are too high. Huh. Okay. So I can't <laughs> tell you people back when I was, I don't know if people still tell you this OG, but I've had people, I, I did a people and I was an advisor cause I would go from company to company talking to them about using their retirement plans. And people would say, well, I've never used it before because I just thought the fees were too high. Yeah, so how much money have you saved? Nothing. Boy, you socked it to the company, didn't you? <laughs> You'll show them. You, you, Suckers. you, you genius. You genius. You didn't save any any money. Uh, she says, high fees are a deal breaker for the 401k plan. Uh, I think here's what you do. Different strategy here, OG. Call me crazy. You save into the 401k. And go lobby HR about how high those fees are and how they need oh, to bring them Oh, come on. That would take too much work. Oh, oh. And then, by the way, when HR finally figures out how horrible they've been, you get a bunch of workers and you go there, you sign a petition, you do whatever to, to get them to change it. Guess what happens then? All that money in that 401k that you saved, instead of being a moron and not saving any money, that money all rolls over into your new lower fee 401k and you actually save some money. I wonder how much of this is kind of a red herring because there's been so many 401k lawsuits and so many, you know, things like that. I I just wonder how many plans have already taken steps to make them lower. I'm not saying that they're the lowest. I'm not saying that they're the best, right? you know, or that's the, the, the cheapest. Guess what? It costs a lot of money to run a 401k plan. There's a lot of people involved. You look at that from the employee side, you're like, oh, it's just a fun company. Yeah. No, that fun company has to do IRS testing. They have to do, uh, they have to fill out forms all the time for the IRS. They have to make sure that people don't put in too much 
even if you go, well, you can set the, I'm talking about dispersed across the entire organization. People can't put in too much because if certain people put in too much, they got to issue refunds and all that stuff. There's a lot of people involved in it. It costs money to do that. You know, the website that you go to that you plug in your stuff that costs money. So it's going to be some charge to do it. But I think that a lot of companies have already kind of gotten ahead of that curve. I could be wrong. I don't have any proof of this. It just seems like every time we hear about a new 401k plan that's being sued for whatever, the other 98% that haven't been sued probably see that as an opportunity to get ahead of the <laughs> let's not get sued curve. Time to move. Um, yeah. But anyways, so. Last OG's one. OG's two cents, whatever that's worth. Last one. And this one kills me as well. You plan to retire before 55. Hey, so uh, you're going to retire tomorrow? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of, sort of. Why? Uh, do you got any money? No, no money. Why not? Oh, because the fees are too high. I didn't get a match, and I didn't put any money in my 401k. So, and I so was, basically, you're not going to retire before 55. And I was going to retire at 53, so I didn't do it. I'm going to retire yesterday, uh, so I don't need to save any money. So um, I'm going to not do that. Well, and for people wondering what the heck we're talking about, you're not going to use all your money before 55. Like, I get this, that you can't get money. Oh, this guy's going to because he didn't put <laughs> in there for the last <laughs> 30 years. So. I'm gonna, <laughs> I have all of my money available. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're not going to use all your money before 50. If, if you're going to use all your, if your goal is to use all your money between 55 and 59 and a half, then, then I want to be invited to that party. I want to be your buddy, but I'm only going to be your buddy until like 59 when you run out of cash. About those four years while you're rolling in it. Yeah. Well, and here's what she's getting at, right? Just so people know that we're not just full of, well, we are full of it, but sarcasm, but full of a lot of stuff. You know, you got the rule of, I can't take money out of my retirement plan until I'm 59 and a half. Everybody forgets to see that little asterisk. There's a little asterisk that says, well, you can as long as you follow these specific rules. And one of the rules is if you're under 59 and a half, but above 55, that's an asterisk. That's one of those rules. Even if you're under 55, do you think people retire at 45 don't get access to their retirement plans? No, they can have access. They got to just follow rules. There are certain rules that the IRS says, hey, you got to do it this way. Otherwise, we're going to penalize you. You know, this is your retirement. Prove to us that you're using this money for retirement. Because guess what? Otherwise, people would just go, oh, I need it for retirement at 38. They got to have a penalty for that. So if you're retiring early and you've got enough money to do so, you can do it any number of ways from a 401k, outside of a 401k, all those different choices. Just got to follow some rules. It's it, doable. It is completely doable. I don't understand why this isn't do a 401k and. It doesn't have to be either or. It should be and. Because oh. then what would we have to talk about today on Wednesday? <laughs> what would we have? Because there's nothing else to talk about at all. But it is, I was about to say, to your point, it is good to see that there's still irrational baloney articles, even in the time of coronavirus, Perfect. about yep. something other than the same gibberish everybody else is talking about. We have different gibberish. We'll link to both of these on our show notes page of stackofbenjamins.com. I think the two takeaways here, don't not save into your retirement plan. Please, 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 we're saving your retirement plan. Don't get caught up in any of that. And then the second thing is, yeah, the stock market's given us lemons, Roth conversion. Maybe that's some lemonade. Maybe that's some lemon bars. Maybe that's some orange peanut butter. or Lemon soup. Lemon, lemon, soup. lemon, lemon grass soup. There it is. 
All right. No guest today. The guest today is you because we widened it. Usually we take your questions today. We're taking uh, all of your questions about anything. It's an ask me anything. And I went to our Facebook group, by the way, if you want to play in these games in the future, head to facebook.com forward slash I stack Benjamins is our Facebook page, our Facebook group. Easiest way to get there is just to go to uh forward slash basement. And then you can hang out uh, in the group. But we asked people in the group this question. Our friend Dylan, by the way, congratulations to Dylan. Dylan, OG, I think you saw this. Dylan helped bring a new stacker into the fold. So he had nothing to do with it. Congratulations to, well, he, he, he was he, part of the, he was at the cheerleading club. Well, nine months ago, he had something to do with it. Him and some Barry White music, maybe a little wine, but that was, that was about it. Not going anywhere near it. <laughs> But congratulations to Dylan and Mrs. Dylan and uh, baby Dylan. Look like everybody is is healthy and happy, which is great. Dylan said, though, OG, in light of current circumstances, should people be lengthening their emergency funds, even if that means pausing or lower lowering their 401ks? I guess it would be a case by case, you know, decision, depending on what kind of industry you're in. Certainly, there's going to be areas that are pretty impacted, right? Tourism. It's going to get clobbered. Airlines clobbered already are, you know, service workers, people, you know, working hourly jobs and things like that in the service industry are, you know, are going to feel the pinch a lot more than, than some other places. But the whole purpose of an emergency fund, if you've got it, is to allow you to just kind of continue to live your life, continue to just have one less thing to stress about while you work on the plan. You know, so if you've got a six month emergency fund or you've got a 12 month emergency fund or a three month emergency fund, everyone across the union is putting together their own austerity plans right now. Everybody's saying, eh, I'm just going to kind of kind of tighten the belt just a smidge, maybe put off that thing that I was going to do. I had a number of client meetings where people were thinking about buying real estate or buying automobiles or and every single person's like, yeah, I still want to do it, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like the right time. <laughs> and that makes a ton of sense. So, you know, we're all kind of being a little crunchy right now with our, with our budgets, right? We're all just kind of crunching it down a little bit. So if you've got an emergency fund and you're affected by this and you're using your emergency fund, the purpose of it is to allow you to focus on figuring a way out. So you don't have to stress about how do I pay the mortgage? How do I pay the car payment? It doesn't give you a carte blanche to use your example, sit at home for the weekend and play video games. This is going to be the busiest time that you've had in a while. Spoiler. I know. So I would say the answer is probably no. You don't need to increase your emergency fund. But if you happen to find yourself to be using it right now, your first order of business, when you do kind of get the cash flow machine running again, is to replenish it. For all of us who are fortunate enough to not be using our emergency fund, I don't think that it makes any sense to increase it. My thought is the same. I think you have to look at your job and how bad your job has been affected. But I think, OG, this is a good lesson for people because I know I've been talking a lot about how the fact this is the third time or if you count the time around 9-11, our fourth time going through something like this. 2000 to 2002, we called the tech wreck. 
2007-2008, we called the uh, Great Recession. I haven't heard an official name for this one yet. I'm thinking we call it My Corona. My, 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 my Corona. Don't you think so? We should call it that. Maybe not. But I do think that that one thing I learned during those pandemic, I needed to know, I knew I needed to know better how much my emergency fund should be. And I needed to have that in place while good times were good. And also, we've talked a lot about investment policy statements. I needed to have my investment policy statement in place much better. I got smoked 2000 to 2002. I was an emotional roller coaster. The bad news was I was a fairly new advisor. It was my first downturn. And it took me almost the first year of that whole two-year downturn to finally realize that I needed to stop flailing so my clients would not flail uh, so much. So when I see people flailing and podcasters flailing and people around me flailing, I think, yes, it's all job dependent. I mean, everything that you said, it's all job dependent. But if you feel like you're in the wrong place right now, write that down, save it for later. This will pass. And then when times are better and you can get ready for the next one, build a better war chest. Our second question comes to us from Jason. Jason says, if you can only pick three board games for a two-week quarantine, which ones do you choose? I'm not going to be good at this answer. Well, if you can, you can only pick three. I think I only have three. <laughs> do you own the board game Pandemic? No, my wife was talking about watching Outbreak with the kids last yeah. night. She's like, we got to watch Outbreak. I'm like, eh, too soon. Uh, yeah, and and I think at a certain age, too, that would be pretty scary going, so is this what we're living? Yeah, so the, the part where the government like nukes the town, right? We're, we're like hoping there's one guy that stops this in a Cessna or helicopter or whatever he has. <laughs> we're not in the town that gets nuked, right, Mommy? Which is surprising because in your family, uh, Mrs. OG is is the responsible one, easily the responsible one. So I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. She might have been kidding. I'm not sure. I was going to bust out Ticket to Ride yesterday. We did. Uh, I don't know if you so. saw my, uh, I had a social media post that we played. We were supposed to be in Japan, as you know. So they came out with an expansion map that at the time we bought it, we're like, oh, cool. We can get ready for our trip to Japan by playing some Ticket to Ride Japan. Yesterday, while playing was supposed to be in the air, we played uh, Ticket to Ride Japan instead. Bittersweet. Yes. Uh, no. Tugging on the heartstrings. Horrible. Because I also got my butt kicked. Just mm-hmm. I just got I was cringed. thinking about whipping out Monopoly and pl- like the book rules. Yes. Just the book rules and watch everybody go under. Well, like, this is what's going on in the economy, children. Learn. <laughs> Daddy, is that what's going to happen to us? Are we going to get our houses taken away? Yes. <laughs> My wife's going, we should have watched Outbreak. <laughs> and if we... And, and if you play Monopoly by the book rules, remember the key to that game is don't build a hotel. Stop at four houses because the way the rules, what the rules say is that if you yeah, run out no of more houses, no more houses, you can't build. Get to the point that you can build houses faster than anybody else. Doesn't matter what the property is. Build as many prop- properties to four houses as possible and sit and you will choke the game. And uh, that game will be over fairly quickly. Yeah, no Noted. house. All those house rules make the game way too long. I would say, so I would need the game called Viticulture that I really like. Viticulture, Jason, is a game where you're g- growing wine. Have you, have you not played Viticulture before? I'm not sure. I was on number two, but you could, should go ahead and give me your three. 
you said, I'm not really participating. I think I might play Monopoly. And he said, well, we have Ticket to Ride. So you were that, kind of meandering. I was going to say like Euchre or something. It was OG's Meanderathon, I guess. Euchre is a good one because I was going to say that. I, I think you forever. Well, I think you need a good card game, you know, just something to. Yeah, to, we got Pony Express. I've got that game for from you. That game's hilarious. That, uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Good I, culture. Yes. I cut you off. Well, apparently I cut After you off. you cut me off. So I apologize. Uh, Accepted. <laughs> Viticulture I like if you get the essential edition it comes with different varieties of the game so not only is it a great game but after a while when you're bored you can play it different ways so that would be number one number two for me would be a game called vinyl that I haven't had for a long time it's you're in a record store uh, putting together record collections what I like about that game as well is there's a bunch of expansions to it and changes to the game so you can play it different ways Makes it fun, but it's a but it's it's also a fun uh, game. And by the way, that that game's a little hard to find because it's by a small manufacturer. But if you find it, not hard to learn and a good time collecting records. And then uh, and then a good card game, OG, and, and like you said. And I'm thinking um, there is war. There's a series of card games called Mystery Rummy. I like Rummy games like gin rummy so uh but there's a series uh, called mystery rummy and the one i think that's the most versatile because you can play it individually or you can play it in teams if you've got four people is called um murder in the rue morgue and it's actually follows an edgar Allan poe story it's not the best one the best one that you should get if you're getting one is uh, jack the ripper it's, oh, we've got that Jack game too, Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack. But that's only for that's, two people, so that would be a, difficult. You yeah, know? but it's a good two-person game. It I mean, is. it keeps those two people occupied for like an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, plus. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yep, like that. So good stuff. Anytime we can talk board games, that's good. And, and you can buy board games from um, any online store. So good, good topic. Lori says, I'm not panicking about most of my accounts. Plan to ride the stock market. But what do I do? (laughs) I plan to ride the stock market correction out. However, I do have a 529 plan for my son who's graduating this May. Ooh. And will start college in August. How should I handle that account? It's currently invested in growth mutual funds, so it's somewhat aggressive. Do I switch funds to something more conservative now or ride it out because it's six months before we need to make a withdrawal from it? Thanks. Yeah. Oops. This got fouled up. This is a great example. Like you were talking about, about when do you have your cash reserve? The time to have your cash reserve is before you need the cash reserve, yeah. you know? Yeah. And part of the reason why the stuff that we do for our, you know, daily work sometimes seems so boring is you don't get that YOLO stuff. You know, you don't get the like, hey, but the market's going crazy. Why would I take any money out? My kid's got three years. My kid's got two years. My kid's got a year because because this happens. Probably, yeah, you didn't anticipate it happening, and you probably thought several times over the last couple of years, uh, we should probably be a little more conservative. But hey, the market's up twenty nine percent in my growth stock mutual fund. So why would I pull it out now? If I get one more thirty percent year, then we're going to be good. This is what happens. So. You're past the point, I think, of saying, okay, I need to be able to make some of this conservative. You've already got punched in the face, you know, so now you have to kind of take it. And what I would suggest is to kind of reconsider the order of operations as it relates to how you're going to fund college. 
And what I mean by that is right now you might be, you, or I should say prior to this, you might've been saying, Hey, I'm going to pay for the first three years of college with my 529. I might have been able to pay for all of the years of college with my 529. But now you're, you're sitting there with a third less money, maybe. Well, that must mean you only have three years of college to pay for, which is kind of true. So you might have been thinking, hey, I'm going to pay for all four years of college, and I'm going to write this check, and August, we're going to pay for it out of the 529. That's probably not going to happen unless the market recovers magically over the next several months. So what I mean by the order of operations is maybe this year you have to take a loan and you can pay back some of that loan with 529 money, probably not the whole thing, limits $10,000. Maybe this year you have to rely on other assets that you might have had set aside. 529s are technically reimbursement plans, so you can pay for it out of pocket and get reimbursed by your 529 plan. So... I think you have to kind of tear this whole idea apart and start building it back up a different way. But I don't think you take your 529 and sell it to get more conservative today because now you're going to lock in that minus, you know, whatever number you have. We're past the point of being conservative in the 529. Now you have to almost let it ride itself out so that you can get back to where you were, even if it takes two years. Yeah, I I don't disagree at all with that strategy. That definitely is figuring out that first, at least that first six months, I think is super important. And then seeing where the market is as you get you get closer. I don't think you wait, you know, quote, till it all comes back, right? No. Once we get back to normalcy. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that means. And the way that I would handle this in the future for people that are not staring down the barrel of college right this moment is... What we advise is the year that your kid goes to their freshman year in high school is the year that the freshman year of college money goes to conservative. Yeah. You miss out on gains. I mean, just it just happens. There's a portion of that portfolio that's now protected. And if you'd have done that four years ago, you would have missed out on the gains in 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 or in 16, 17, 18 and 19, which were some pretty big gains. I get it. But it also protects that year's worth. So freshman year of high school, the freshman year of college, 529 money gets conservative. Sophomore, sophomore, junior, junior, senior, senior. When you get to senior, all of your money is conservative. Just like we'd advise if you said, hey, I've got 150 grand. I think about buying a house in a year and a half from now. Should I invest the money? God, no. Why? Because this could happen to your 150 grand house down payment, you know, and then you can't buy a house. So same thing. With Lori talking about not panicking about most of her accounts and about her 529 that is too aggressive, can we talk just a little bit about this stock market and how how weird it is, OG? Because I think this brings up a great discussion. I'm going to show you a chart that I normally don't spend a lot of time on. There are two ways of looking at the market. There's a way that OG and I both look at it most of the time, which is fundamental analysis and fundamental analysis actually is really good to do when you're looking at your own personal situation. You look at what your um, uh, what what would an investor say about your company? So fundamental analysis is looking at a company and how it operates, and is the company going to do better later? Right? Are they paying down their debt? Do they have much debt? Do they have good free cash flow? 
are their orders increasing, their sales increasing? Are they expanding? Are they growing? What are, what are they doing fundamentally as a company to make the company better? Over long periods of time, fundamental analysis always wins the day. It is by far the best way to look at stocks and look at the stock market. There's a second way to look at it, which I've always referred to, I don't know about you, OG, but I've always referred to it as voodoo. And voodoo is what's called technical analysis. And technical analysis is something that traders look at. And the reason why technical analysis works, and it does work over short periods of time, it works because everybody believes it works, right? And because all these people believe it, that it works. So things like the stochastic and the MACD and looking at all of these candles, you know, when it comes to daily activity in the stock market and the 200 day moving average, generally I don't look at this stuff, but recently I decided because when the market gets volatile to calm me down, I start looking at these charts and I'll tell you this, every downturn, it has helped calm me down. And one thing that we know is that generally there's a time to trade and a time not to trade. And as you know, OG, everybody says now's not the time to trade. And you're looking at the chart as I'm looking at it. Look at the volume now versus the volume during regular time frames. The number of people who are shooting themselves in the foot is unbelievable. Now, I know these all are individuals. Of course, there's program traders and algorithms and, and some other stuff going on. But but with volume, OG, here, that what would you say that is? Maybe in some cases, five, six times higher than normal volume? Mm-hmm. Yep. There's plenty of people doing the wrong thing, just shooting themselves in the foot. And you're watching, if, if, if you look at a chart, where, and OG and I are looking at a chart of the S&P 500, as the S&P 500 is just cratering at the same time, you've got far more people than ever stepping up to bat to guarantee that they're going to lose their butt. So just avoiding that, right? Whether you're Lori or anybody else, makes me feel really good about holding, uh, knowing that I'm not part of that stampede. The second thing that makes me feel good is there's this thing called the 200-day moving average. And what you'll notice is there's a couple days in here. And, and by the way, this is part of that voodoo that I never trade on. But it's interesting how often that it works. If you look at times that the 200-day moving average goes above the stock market, the stock market has rebounded. And what you'll see is that back in early October, the 200-day moving average just barely got above the stock market and the stock market took off. Once again, means nothing long-term. I wouldn't trade on any of this baloney, but it went up. and then. It barely touched it back in early February, the 200-day moving average, and the stock market again for the next couple of days went up. Happens a fair amount of the time. You look at the 200-day moving average now, OG, versus where the stock market is today. It is way, 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 way. The 200-day moving average is way above today, which shows me I shouldn't be trading. I need to hang on. When normalcy returns, which it will if the economy is going to continue, we're going to see at the very least stocks closer to the 200-day moving average, which means that we've gotten back. All Lori and everybody needs, OG, is a little bit of normalcy. Everything this chart tells me is what you and I have been saying over and over and over again, which is this is the perfect time to do nothing. 
I was uh, overwhelmed by your chart, so I closed it and just listened to the story. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> the time to make a change to your investment plan was February the 20th. So you missed that opportunity. You missed the opportunity to be right on the upside. And for every point lower that the stock market goes, it increases the likelihood of exponential returns in the future. So here we are, minus whatever, 30%, let's say. The likelihood of having a positive return over the next 12 months is way higher today than it was six weeks ago. And the probability of having a much higher return in three years from now is way higher today than it was just six weeks ago. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, I got my face kicked in. I didn't know it was coming, which we can all say we didn't. There's like six people in the world that said, hey, this is going to be pretty bad. Nevertheless, you got your face kicked in. So now the question is, now what do I do with this new information? We can't look at our portfolios based on the, well, I could have, da, 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 da. You just have to say, here's the, the facts of the case are, I had 100 grand and now I have 70. I have 70,000 bucks. Where's the best place for this for the next two years or the next three years or the next 10 years, the next 30 years? You have to be a little bit hopeful of the future. You have to have a little bit of faith and, uh, and recognize that, you know, this too shall pass. For those of you that are old enough to have parents or grandparents that have some perspective, I'm pretty sure that grandma and grandpa were pretty certain the world was going to collapse in 1941. If you ask them, how did you feel the day you found out that Pearl Harbor happened? And what were your expectations as the U.S. entered World War II? I'm sure they said nothing was going to be the same. Most of us don't have grandparents alive anymore that were alive during the Depression. They would say the same thing. Some of us have parents that were alive during the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was thankfully only a couple of weeks. And when you take those times and you give the historical contact that, you know, the, the benefit of his time frame, you know, you recognize, okay, it worked out, but in the moment it felt like the end of the world. I mean, nine 11 felt like the end of the world. That was our generation's version of that. The recession felt like the end of the world in the postmortem of all those things. We can look back and say, well, you know, it sucked in the moment. There's still a lot of things that suck because of it. But from an economic standpoint, we came out stronger. People are still buying milk and, well, not toilet paper anymore, but, you know, milk anyway. We would if we could. Razor blades. Yeah, exactly. We, we but would. my point is this. You've already got it this far. You know, you already guessed wrong on the, on the market timing opportunity you had February the 20th. Don't also guess wrong on the market timing opportunity you have on March 25th. Because every day we're faced with that decision. What's the future going to hold? Now, the next six weeks, also probably going to suck. But five years from now, it'll be hopefully a distant memory. So the, I'll step down off the soapbox here for a moment. <laughs> well, I think that's a good perspective. And I don't know why looking at a chart like that calms me down. Might not calm other people down. but it, There's uh, so many colors. It's like a, it's like a kaleidoscope. It is incredibly interesting and shows me just how much stupidity there is in the market right now. And where we usually have an efficient market, OG, I think it shows you how inefficient 
the sell-off gets when it gets really bad. And and one thing I'd like to point out is that no, I I think it's efficient. The I don't the, I don't uh, think it's efficient. At it all. is it is efficiently allocating capital to the right people. Agreed. Which is exactly where I was going with that. It is, <laughs> you know, the people who are not, are not authorized to, to own, to have capital right now, it is taking it from them and giving it to the right people. And let, let's be clear. I know we've said this before, but I'm sure people don't listen to every second of every what? episode, although they no, should, they, they probably should. We never want to take advantage of bad things happening. You don't want to take advantage. You don't want to be that, that jerk who's hoarding all the sanitizer and trying to mark it up 20%. That person is That just, backfired for all those people, too. Yeah, but even if it... See, ha- Costco's not taking returns on that stuff now because they're all back in stock. So uh, Costco said, yeah, no returns. Yeah, Sorry. good, good. Yeah, absolutely. There's a place in... Slipping them in the bird. There's a, there's a place in hell for all those people. What I do want to take advantage of is people who think that the best time to sell their stuff is during a crisis like this. That this is not a time to sell your stuff. And, and if, if you think this is a good time to sell your stuff, well, then I am taking advantage of that. I will take advantage of that. That is not... I was thinking about this. That is not you're somebody's big, health. That's just stupidity. Yeah, you're a big Disney fan. You might have even told me this. And I don't remember the exact number, but something like Disney has, uh, while their parks are closed, losing a million dollars a day a park or something. I mean, some some number, right? Yeah. Bob Iger, who stepped down right before this, is sitting there drumming his fingers going, guys, I don't know. I left you with a pretty good company. I don't know what you did. But, um, <laughs> you know, his exit options aren't worth the crap anymore, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> he still went out on top. He, like, timed it exactly right, didn't It's incredible. He? Like, how- Peace, y'all. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Disney was trading at 150 bucks. Now it's at 90 or 100 or somewhere in there. So you'd say, well, you know, that makes sense. Disney lost all this revenue. Well, what's the other thing that's going on right now? Well, we've got all these people at home. How many people signed up for Disney's $13.99 a month subscription service because Frozen 2 came out early? You know, the really smart people at these at these companies, you can say, hey, my boss is an idiot. You might work at these companies and go, my boss is an idiot, right? Everybody's got a stupid boss. In our company, they have two. Um, <laughs> but... but um, but they're really smart people. They're doing what they can do to take advantage of it, not in the context of taking advantage of it in a negative way, but like how do we still do what we can do? And yeah, Disney might not be making money doing this over here, but they're making a crap load of money doing this over here, as an example. General Motors came out a week and a half ago and said, boy, do we have a deal for you. Buy a car from us online. You don't have to come look at it. Tell us what you want, what colors you want. We'll deliver it to your house. We'll give you 0% interest for seven years. You don't have to make a payment for four months. We'll leave the keys on the doorstep. Sign it all electronically. For those of us who have purchased a car in the last several years, how much of that was done electronically? 0% of it. Yeah. And now they're forced to do it. So pray God they actually continue doing it when we get out of this and they use some efficiency. But what's General Motors doing, as an example? They're looking at it from the perspective of, we've got inventory, we're going to get rid of it, so when we do get our factories back open, we're going to have cars to make because we're not going to have any inventory. You know, they're taking steps because of it. And don't mistake this to say that it's all honey and gravy flowing from the heavens. There's certainly a lot of a lot of industries that are hurting and a lot of people that are hurting quite a bit. But I think that 
you know, when you take it all in context, you recognize that it's probably not as probably not as bad as we think, just like several months ago, probably wasn't as good as we thought. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Oh, gee, my throat is a little uh, <laughs> I almost said my throat scratchy. But whenever you say stuff like that, people are like, oh, oh, stay away from him, man. Uh, it is time, I think, for us to get a glass of water. Time for Doug to take over here for a second. Thanks. And uh, let's uh, do our trivia. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And while Joe's mom totally nailed it with the waffles earlier today, that was like three hours ago. And I feel like I'm disrespecting all the work that goes into International Waffle Day. Then I'll celebrate again by, by eating more, of course. So classic. Joe's mom refused to make me round two of waffles. I mean, seriously, don't you understand the reason for the season? Ah, anyway, it looks like I'm going to have to go get takeout waffles. So while I look up the best nearby waffle joints, here's today's trivia. Of the two breakfast powerhouses, IHOP and Waffle House, duh, which company had the most revenue in 2019? The winner of this answer might just earn Neighbor Doug's $5 worth of business. Well, now, Stackers, is probably the right time for you to begin looking at diversifying your income streams. And no matter what that means, that probably means that you're going to be hiring people, that you're going to need help that you can't hire long term. You may need somebody short term to take care of an area of your business that they can come in, plug the leak, take care of the situation, make something better and then go away. You don't need them on the payroll. It's funny. This actually uh, was an aha that I had recently at Disney. We were at Epcot and I saw these street performers and something I know from being a nerd and listening to a bunch of Disney podcasts is I realized those street performers, I don't know about these two particular people. I didn't have a conversation with them, but most of them do not work for Disney. They're contractors and Disney just hires them to do exactly a thing. You and I aren't Disney but look at how Disney solves some of these problems. They don't know how to juggle and have a guy stand on a chair that's on top of a chair, on top of a chair, on top of a chair in the middle of the French pavilion at Epcot. Disney could hire somebody to do that or they just go find the pro. That's what I like about Fiverr is for my business, it works the same. Because thanks to Fiverr, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggle. Fiverr's Marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly. You can search by service, deadline, price, reviews, and more. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront. No negotiating needed. 24-7 customer service, quality talent you can count on. Sellers, of course, have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, and finding talent for your projects never been easier. You can review their ratings, recent buyer feedback. You can select the right freelancer based on your budget. Take five and check out Fiverr.com, and you're going to get 10% off your first order by using the stacker code SB. So easy. Don't waste any more time and get the service you deserve by going to F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code SB. Fiverr, it starts here. 
Hi, hey, trivia fans. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm back. And I've got a dilemma. Maybe you can help me out. Turns out that both IHOP and Waffle House are within eyesight of the Sizzler. Now, you know that I'm as festive as they come. I mean, <laughs> but do I celebrate International Waffle Day at the risk of ruining my reputation at the Sizzler? I mean, what if my waiter... Sue, uh, Mike the manager, or, you know, old Ted who refills the salad bar. What if they, like, see me walking into one of those other two breakfast titans? They'd be heartbroken. What, what, what would Joe do? Or, you know, or as I always ask, WWJD. Regardless, I'm only headed to the biggest, best restaurant here. So let's get to the trivia question, which was, of the two breakfast powerhouses, IHOP and Waffle House, which company had the most revenue in 2019? Waffle House, estimated to have revenue around $500 million in 2019, which not, you know, it sounds like a whole lot of waffles, if you ask me. But you know, you'd be surprised that Waffle House's serving size pales in comparison to IHOP and it's $3.46 billion in revenue. The people have spoken, and I will be going to IHOP. I, I got to hop to get in there. What? Why isn't it we hop? Or they hop? We got we to gotta change some things around. I think Doug raises some serious questions. Why isn't it we hop? They hop. Could you imagine getting pancakes if they had, like... Hop them to your. <laughs> what a disaster that would be, wouldn't it? Syrup all over the place. What could possibly go wrong? But pancakes. Uh, are you celebrating Waffle Day today? No, no, it's not. It's weekends are cheat days, so can't do cheat days during the middle of the week. I got I got to be sharp, on point. Maybe that's my problem today. Is that I celebrated like Doug did? <laughs> I'm like, you're, mom's you're, mom's serving in my man. Coma. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally in our next question in this ask us anything episode comes to us from gregory gregory says there's a lot written about the asset accumulation phase of our lives but the drawdown phase seems a lot more intimidating to me first are there any good books or other resources which focus on how to manage or plan for the drawdown phase specifically the more in-depth the better I've got a few, certainly, OG, but I'm sure you do as well. Uh, I'm looking on the shelf here, and nothing is jumping out from the perspective of an actual consumer withdrawal strategy book. But maybe something will kind of pop in my mind if you've got something off the top of your head. Well, I have a couple. The first one I have is our good friend Emily Guy Birkin wrote a book that uh, addresses a lot of this time frame in the five years before you retire. And while certainly that isn't the early years of retirement, it's when you're right up against retirement, what to think about and withdrawal strategies, a piece of that book. Of course, as you know, a lot of uh, the things that Dr. Wade Fow and uh, Michael Kitzes write about uh, have to do with uh, withdrawal strategies and drawdowns. If you're going to look online for blogs and bloggers that talk about it, those two guys as does our friend uh, Daryl Kirkpatrick over at Yes, You Can Retire. He is all about that as well and likes to talk in depth about retirement issues. I think the last person that I will reference, and you know, there may be, there may be more, but uh, also our, our friend Jane Bryant Quinn has had a book that's a few years old now, but it's How to Make Your Money Last. 
and it's the Indispensable Retirement Guide. And she talks about how to make that nest egg go further. And even though that book was written, well, and, and actually now that I look at it, there's actually a, there's been a reprint this year and it says that they've completely updated it. So and even if they hadn't updated it, there's enough going on there that I think that that's, that's an important book. As you were talking, I was looking on the shelf. The only one that kind of comes to mind is if you want something that's super, 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 super crazy in depth, which is what he said, anything by Harold Avansky. Oh, yeah. He writes, he writes more for advisors. Yeah. And if you don't have a pretty strong economics or math background and kind of know all of this stuff already, some of his stuff can get kind of thick. You know but, what I, uh, Avansky is E-V-E-N-S-K-Y. And I'll tell you what I like about that resource, OG, is that the names that I mentioned are people that uh, a lot of our audience has heard of before. And you and I both know that Avansky somebody that they should be reading. Like if you want to nerd out on personal finance, that's one of the the best thinkers in certified financial planner world. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how much stuff he's written recently. Some of the problems with financial planning books is that some of them can get into strategies that just don't really exist anymore or aren't as useful as they were when they were written. For example, if you find a really great retirement planning book from 2005, but there's a new tax law that comes out in 2006 that kind of reshapes all of that, it's going to change it a little bit. Just like more recently, they changed the required distributions and secure act and you know, a lot of stuff around IRAs that some really great people like Ed Slot, who's probably the smartest guy about IRAs, like he's got to go back to the, you know what I mean? Like back to the drawing board and write up new recommendations. So you kind of have to stay on top of it quite a bit. But um, um, anyways, I like Harold Avansky. If you can find some stuff from him, that'll uh, turn your head for a few minutes. No, that's good stuff. Uh, Gregory has a second half to his question. He said he wanted that because of the fact that we wouldn't be able to spend as much time it takes, he said. But in the time that we do have, what thoughts can we give? He said, OG, with clients, how do you make sure you're not drawing down too much each year? How do you manage drawdowns during market volatility? When we work, we mostly get income from our jobs. But in retirement, we have Social Security pensions and investment income from several accounts like IRAs, HSAs, 401ks each of which has its own rules. Any thoughts on managing the complexity of those income streams? Well, some of them you don't have much choices over. Your Social Security comes when it comes. I mean, you can delay it and you can say, I don't want to turn it on until a certain time. But once it's on, you know, it's on. So same thing with pension. You start it, it doesn't stop. The choices that you have are all around spending. And it's kind of like a different sequence of events. So Right now, you go to work, you pay taxes, you save a little bit and live on the rest. And in retirement, you live on something and pay taxes on what you withdrew. So it's kind of like a backward calculation, if you will. And in terms of managing so you don't take too much out, that's, I mean, that's just self-discipline. If you've got $100,000 and you want to live on fifty grand a year, it doesn't take very long to figure out how many years you've got. Yep, yeah. The way that I like to do it from a distribution standpoint is I want to make sure that we've got a couple of years, three if you're ultra conservative, but two is proven to be pretty adequate, two years worth of distributions in cash. And I like to have the rest of your portfolio pretty heavily invested to keep up with the rising costs of living. And uh, you set kind of a 
a line in the sand that says, you know, after after a certain amount of volatility, I'm going to start taking it from uh, cash. Now, just about everybody now, as you're listening to this, has probably passed that line for the people that we work with and are now kind of on their cash plan for the next two years. And what that allows is it allows the market to kind of do its thing and for you to not be worried about the day-to-day fluctuations. Because what you're really trying to do is to avoid selling shares of a position that's down 35%. You know, so if you can just let it ride, baby, but more specifically have a um, have a level of comfort that you've got long enough long enough cushion to sustain that before you have to start taking withdrawals from the equity side again or from the, uh, from the investment portion of the portfolio. That's why we have that extra cash. So this is also, and I want to get your thoughts on this OG. I mean, this is why I really like having those milestones and I feel like the milestones are a little bit like the doctor with the x-ray where we're looking to see the health of here's what we're projecting based on where we think your expenses are. Uh, because if we, if we, look at the milestones a couple times a year, we can make sure that we're not getting too far behind or, or too far ahead. Right. And that's why it's financial planning, not a financial plan. Right. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. So it's a great point. There's going to be times where you have higher expenses and times where you have lower, you just can't have all higher. Right. <laughs> Eventually you have to have some lower ones, you know? And how many times, cause I remember back in the day having that specific, discussion with clients going, okay, we've been meeting for three years now. And uh, every time we talk, you're, you're spending more than what we projected. We got yeah. at some point, we got to change this behavior and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday pretty soon, pretty soon I'm going to change. No, no, it's got to be sooner. It's got to be sooner because uh, right. there's, there's no magic like math. <laughs> what will be, will be sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for those questions, Gregory. Uh, next up, Bo asks, what does OG look like? Would you like to describe yourself, OG? I have been compared to Tom Cruise. Yeah. Circa, well, pretty much any time. Think Jack Reacher. In my younger days, maybe a skosh like Top Gun. Not quite as jacked, but um, but in the ballpark, I would say. OG has these uh, six-pack abs with this protective coating over it so they don't get hurt. So um, You're just jealous because you ain't us. Just to paint the picture. Borrow a <laughs> phrase from Kesha. <laughs> yes, you're just jealous. Yes, he is He is very handsome, Bo. And um, even though we are social distancing by making sure we're at opposite ends of the table, it's always great sitting across from OG. I look a little rough today, though. I, I I kind of walked by a mirror. I was like, dang. <laughs> what what happened Whoa. there? That's why it's always good that this is radio. Uh, next up, this comes to us from Suzanne. What's up with the radio advertising for, I'm not going to say the name of this company. What's up for the radio advertising for trading academies? They make big promises, but is it all too good to be true? Any insights so we don't get into a scam or something inappropriate, or is there potential value from these trading or Forex classes? I feel like the last four weeks should have answered pretty much all these questions. I think that we should have figured out, but you know what? This is probably the time where most people get schnookered. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're going, well, I, you know, this buy and hold thing sucks. 
I got to do something. I got to do, oh, look, there's this thing that shows me how to do it. So I'm going to buy currency and trade it overnight and in the middle of the night. But even these day trade academies, if we take the Forex out of it, people are going to be duped into that OG going, you know what? I could have been, I could have had uh, all these plans in place where I should have seen it coming. You know, we saw the, like, you know, people are going to Monday morning quarterback and these, these trading people are going to take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? No one saw this coming. I'll tell you. And I know that there's some stuff going on right now. I was going to say, I know there's some stuff going on right now in the news, a little hidden about senators who have some questionable trades and, you know, all that sort of stuff may or may not be what happened. I'm not paying attention because I don't really care. But the world, the smartest people in the world as it relates to money, weren't sitting there going, look at all these idiot retail investors. I'm going to say two words, which... Big applause to him for coming out and saying this. Ray Dalio. Have you read Ray Dalio mm-hmm. talking about this? He, of course, was one of the people that not only didn't get beat up in 2007, 2008, he called it ahead of time and was on the other side of that part of that big short move. But he said, we stood by our convictions and by the stocks and we lost a lot more money than I think that we should have lost. If Ray Dalio is not doing it, you ain't doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, see, here's the thing. Again, we can Monday morning quarterback this all day long. You get in something slippery where you look at like uh, something that happened to work. So some specific thing actually paid off. We all are going to have friends or colleagues or business associates that are like, oh, dude, I totally sold at the top. I was out like January 30th. Yeah, look how awesome I am. Okay. Fine. Great. I hope that's true. I wish that were true for me. I wish that were true for all of my clients. I wish it were true for everybody, but it didn't happen for most. Some people did. There's going to be people out there who actually got it right, but they didn't get it right because they got a system. They didn't get it right because they'd have some magic computer program that told them they got it right because they got lucky. It's like being at the craps table. Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. And I want to go with the sure thing, which is it is what it is. You look at your investment account statement at the end of this quarter and you go, Whoa, holy shnikes. <laughs> it's all about where do you think the best place is to be for the future? If you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror or talk to somebody and say, listen, levels today, I think they're going lower and I don't think they're ever coming back in my lifetime. This is it. This is the top. Well, then guess what? You should be in cash. You should be in something that's more secure. She have no business investing anyway. But if that's really what you believe, I don't happen to believe that. I don't think you happen to believe that. But if you look at it and you say, this is my thesis, then you have to invest based on that. But I can tell you that history would say on the other side of a minus 30, what's the next one year return <laughs> or what's the next three year return? It's fabulous. You've already taken the minus 30. You can't undo that. You know, maybe take minus 20 or maybe stick minus 50. I don't know. But you're already down. You want to look at it from the perspective of where do you think logically the best place is to be over the next three, five, 10 years? In 2030, are you going to look at the Dow at 20,000 and go, gosh, that was cheap back then? Or do you think it's going to be, you know, lower than that? I'm on the side of the table that says we already took it on the chin. 
the best place to be is in stocks right now because that's going to give us the best opportunity for return over the next uh, period of time. You remember uh, Abby Joseph Cohen with Goldman Sachs? Personally, yeah, sure. <laughs> but you know who she is. I do. Abby Joseph Cohen, her big claim to fame was that she called the 2000 to 2002 downturn. And I remember I was a financial planner then and a financial advisor. And I remember constantly reading over and over and over and over and over Goldman Sachs people wheeling out Abby Joseph Cohen like she was some Nostradamus as she yeah. continually, and my my memory of this may be flawed, but I don't think so. She continually underperformed after that, just continually underperformed, showing that she was as human as we all are and made a call, happened to be right. People make good calls, like you say, from time to time, you you might get lucky, you'll find some deal, but picking the person that's going to be right tomorrow is, is, is not a good game to play. I'll tell you what I like these things for. You know, people like Phil Town, like, like I love reading Phil Town and I like the stuff that Phil teaches because he teaches the stuff that we talked about earlier, this technical analysis voodoo. I like knowing how this stuff works. I don't think that it's going to make me a lot of money. I don't believe any promises. I don't think Phil really makes any promises uh, that, hey, this is this is how you're going to get rich quick. I'd never want to be on that train. And when you see those academies talking about that stuff, I want nothing to do with it. We get those people that, as you know, you see the pitches that come in. People pitch the show all the time. Hey, you can do this without Wall Street. You can do it real estate only. You can do it stock market only. You should trade the Forex all the time. I saw this coming. I had a guy this last week write to me and go, hey, look, I saw this whole thing coming. Delete. Immediately, <laughs> immediately delete. I'm not giving you a platform with that garbage. But if somebody wants to know how the technical stuff that we talked about earlier in the show works, like how to look at those charts just to have more ammunition in your holster. Great. Fantastic. Terrible place to put ammunition, by the way, but go ahead. I'll let it slide. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, the analogy probably is misplaced anyway, you know? No, but the thing is what you're getting at is there are people out there who got it right. There are people out there who, who said, and maybe this guy that you're talking about that you deleted, maybe he did call it. Maybe he's got a blog out there or a podcast or he's a money manager. He goes and he sent an email on February 20th and told all his people were going to cash. This is going to get crazy. Maybe he did that and put everybody into the three X volatility, you know, <laughs> return fund and everybody's made a million dollars. Perfect. Awesome for him. You can't prove to me that that has any bearing on the future. And that's the difference. The difference is, is that, you know, just cause it worked before doesn't mean it's going to work in the future. And most academics would tell you that most return, especially in times like this, it's darted a dartboard luck. It just so happens that you got the lucky thing at the right time. It's not about skill. And so if you're trying to position your portfolio for the future, I look and say, well, if I was 70% stock and 30% fixed income a month ago, today I'm 50-50. It sounds like to me, you're out of balance. And now's a great time to buy stocks at 2015 levels. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Everybody said, I am a back the truck up. Let's do it. Just like we talked about the end of Monday show, stick to the fundamentals. No matter yeah. what the time frame is, it's easy to get sucked away from, you know, with magic tricks, but stick to the fundamentals and you won't get burned. 
let's see if we can do some of these uh, fairly fast. Rapid we'll, fire. Yeah, Got we'll, it. We'll okay. call this speed round. Taylor says, "What's your favorite food?" Uh, steak and potatoes. Really, mm, I can vouch for OG. That is his favorite food. I would have to say that mine is just straightforward spaghetti. Are you really specific about your spaghetti consistency, like the the al dente ness? Yes. Yes, yeah, I, I'm just I'm psychotic about that. Like, great. The noodles are cooked too long. It Don't says over, nine minutes on the box. Yes. Do you not cook them 11, throw them in the trash and give me some more noodles. If Cheryl and I have one knockdown drag out fight a year, it's about the noodles and overcooking the noodles. I put the noodles in. Did you start the timer? No, just uh, I look at them. I know. Right. How are you supposed to know if they're done? What are you talking? How can you not set the timer on the noodles? All right. Next question. Wreck them all. Uh, follow up. What's your favorite chain restaurant? chain restaurant i really do a lot of chain restaurants I'm too hoity-toity for that uh i don't know probably panera i guess like yeah, something like that uh-huh. like a little sandwich place sure you know what's funny i like whataburger oh i like whataburger too what's funny about panera was that i had the flu a long time ago nothing like this but i was really sick cheryl was nice and got me some uh panera in a bread bowl it was chicken noodle soup in the bread bowl i ate the whole thing and then because i had the flu it ended up all coming back, and now oh I can't yeah. I, I can't eat it anymore. Because, because, Any Panera at all? Well, very little. Just the memory of that incident. Sure. I'll still get chicken noodle soup, but I can't get the bread bowl, even though I used to love the bread oh, bowl. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's too much carbs. I'll also put a, a nod in for Raisin Cane's chicken fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine has to be, I'm, I'm going to go with Len Penzo's favorite answer, which is Benihana. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Is it? Oh, I guess it's chain restaurant. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Benihana's a chain. Can't yeah, go there. Like go ahead. Next. Uh, next, uh, our friend Snapperhead, who we talked to on Twitter says, how far out do you start landing the plane? When do you start putting your two to three years of cash away for the down markets? It's a longer question. It would depend on uh, what your inflows look like prior to retirement. Yeah. Where are you? Like, for example, I've got a client who's going to retire and he's going to get a lump sum pension. He's going to get a bunch of cash coming in. That's what we're going to use. You know, if you don't have that coming in, you got to start thinking a little bit further ahead a couple of years anyway. If you're looking at it today, today's a terrible day to do that. Normally, I just do a short one mile base to final turn. You know, I got a short one mile final before I land the plane, <laughs> unless it's on an instrument approach and then it's a little bit longer. But that's a whole different question. It's a whole mm-hmm. different thing. Uh, he might've meant that, meant that. I'm sure that's what he meant was, Hey, I have an aviation question and I have a financial question. After the final approach fix. I yeah. don't know. I'm just using words that I think. Yeah. I, and also, also snapperhead, you know, well, where your income's coming from in retirement, right? If you've got mm-hmm. lots of income streams coming in from other places, don't have to worry about it as, as much. Jenna says, is it better to be saving for a house or retirement? Retirement. I think so too. Uh, But it also depends on your current living condition and your goals. If you really, really care about the house and retirement, you don't care much about, you know, then you're cool. Retirement. (laughs) I can't, OG will tell you, but I can't tell you your goal is wrong, Jenna. But, but, (laughs) but generally it will be retirement. Listen, if you save for retirement, the cool thing is, the more money you put toward that, the more it'll save for itself, right? You want your money out there working for you so that you don't have to work. I'm as lazy as the next guy. Get your money working as hard as possible and then save for a house. Figure out the, figure out the house second. I think that's what you're trying to say. Sure. <laughs> 
Adrian says, I'm saving for grad school. Currently have 13,000 in Fidelity Money Market account. Put about 2,000 in every two to three months. Plan to use the money within two years, maybe three years to help lower the loan amount I'll need to take out for tuition. Heard about 529 plans, but I'm not sure they're right for me. Is there a benefit putting some of the 13K into 529 if I plan to use it in less than five years? There are benefits to using a 529 if you plan to use the money in the short term. Thanks, Joe and OG. Thanks, Adrian. Well, 529 is nothing more than a bucket. It's a shelter for your money. So there's a difference between investing it and having it liquid, like in cash. Hey, I need this money in the short term. The only reason I put it in a 529 would be if I got a state tax deduction. Yeah. So if your state offers a tax deduction, you might do it. But you got to be careful to make sure that the investment that you choose within there is still really conservative. I'll throw one other thing on there. OG. Oh, I just like it because it's a separate bucket then that I know this is my college money. It's for nothing else but college. That's that yep. separates it. If you put it in your savings account with everything else, people tend to just uh, spend it down. Our friend Mark on Twitter says, here's a question I often get uh, family and even strangers during times like this. Should I sell my stock portfolio given the market volatility from insert news topic here? What's your short answer besides no? I, I can't have a possible shorter answer than no. Mom always says no is a complete sentence. <laughs> and, so, and I'll go back to the thing that we usually talk about, Mark, which is work from an investment policy statement. Create yeah. an investment policy statement, unemotional one, work from there. Uh, you have to think about it from the perspective of where do you think it's going to be in a year or two or three from now? You've already experienced the 30% loss or 50 or whatever. Selling today doesn't fix that. You don't get any of that money back. What you have to look yeah. at is go, okay, t I have 100 shares of Amazon. Do I think that's going to be worth more in the future or less in the future? And you go from there. It was fun talking to Mark about that on Twitter, by the way. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, Average Joe Money, not the fake OG. Uh, last question for today. What fields do you think you would have gone into if you hadn't done finance? Hmm. That's a good question. Um... I think I wrote in a book a long time ago that I wanted to be a lawyer, but, um, I like flying, but that industry is crazy now. I mean, holy moly. Yeah, I was in the military. So maybe, maybe might've kind of done that long-term, I guess. I don't know. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing God's work. I, uh, was training to be a teacher. So I probably would have been a, uh, high school teacher and a track coach. And so you trained for that twice. I did train Quite for that both twice. times. I did. <laughs> I, 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 you're like, wait a second. Uh, yeah, that's right. This sucks. I don't want to do this. Exactly. I'm going to be a podcaster instead. Because that's where all the money is right there. No. Uh, the cool thing is I get to teach in my own way here, right? We get to do it. That's right. Yeah. You already, you are a teacher already. We, we, we get to do it. We just don't have to train for the test. We can just teach people better money habits. Uh, that, you know what? I've got this problem, and and you have it too. You and I have talked about this. I've got so many different things that interest me. Like like on one side, the creative stuff really interests me. Uh, so either pursuing stuff like novelist or writer on one side, but also the engineering things. I love diving into how stuff works and uh, and making processes better. Logistics. I find exciting stuff. People find very boring logistics, like making sure the trains run on time. It's just would be fascinating to me. Um, hmm. I don't, I don't know what it is. What's your Colby that. score? Uh, it is. I don't remember. 
but I'm strong in that area. <laughs> you're in the train business. You're really high on the train one. I'm high in the creativity side, but I'm also high in the, how do we put it, put it together? But, but I am a quick start. I'm much better at talking about conceptual stuff and I'm not beholden to, it's already got to be concrete in front of me. Mm-hmm. Make the trains run on time. I could see Joe doing that. I don't know. Like Denzel Washington. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one. They fight it out, man. I love the creative stuff, but I also, I also love logistics and, and uh, engineering. Who knows? I like packaging. I could have been a packaging maker. That's marketing. You don't mean packaging like, how do I stuff all this I wine do. into a box? I do. Creating a better box. Like when I look at some of these boxes that board games have and how they get the pieces in there so that they're, they're optimally stuffed, I find that fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Which is just... I got a box of... Never mind. I can't say that. Forget it. <laughs> I know where that was going, too. That was going to be funny. But I think it's going to do it. Kimberly, thanks for that question. All right. That's it for our first ever Ask Us Anything episode. A great mix of uh, fun, which I think we all need a little fun these days, OG, and uh, some very serious financial questions. Thanks to all of you for hanging out with us. Remember, focus on the fundamentals, guys. This is all about, this is a great time to remember that it's all about sticking with the fundamentals. If you're somebody during this time who really needs, really needs help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG if you feel like that foundation isn't built the way that it should be built. All right, that's going to do it today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Make sure to analyze all of your investment vehicles before rather than just investing blindly. Second, Thinking about investing in some companies that are really, really, really down or thinking about running for the hills? Neither of those strategies make any sense long term, especially when you dive into human nature. We'll find a way to mess it up every time. But the big takeaway? So frustrating. I realized when I was walking into IHOP that the letters I-H-O-P stand for International House of Pancakes. I didn't want to look like a fool, so I ran to my car. International? What language do they speak in that place? I mean, how am I going to communicate the word pancake to the staff? I mean, is it like pancake, cakey? I mean, I don't know how to say that in foreign stuff. What if I want more syrup? I'm like 100% cosmopolitan here. There's no more Renaissance man than this guy right here, but international? Parless Booze Frankie. I mean, no, not me, not this guy. Big thanks to you for hanging out with us while you're sheltered away. You'll find show notes on our website at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahigh, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. 
There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Joe's mom for convincing OG to lay off the ice cream. Somebody's just a little lactose intolerant. Welcome to the After Show. For those of you new here, who maybe you're getting your financial fix because you uh, <laughs> you're 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 tired of twenty four seven virus coverage, this part of the show is the part that doesn't exist. We don't talk about it. What happens here stays here. But we have some fun here. If you're here for financial planning talk, you can usually go away and come back next time because uh, we'll talk about movies. We'll talk about board games, video games. We'll talk about funny stuff we find in the news. And OG, I think you've got something. Well, earlier we were talking about playing Monopoly. Yes. It's your favorite game. I know. (laughs) I couldn't find it. I thought we had it laying around. So shock everyone. But what we recorded for today's episode, we didn't actually record in one sitting. We just weren't able to do it. So there was a little space and I was able to actually play Monopoly during this break. So I found our Monopoly game. It was the Michiganopoly. Oh. So it's the University of Michigan one oh, that, that has all the spaces on it. When you open it up, did would the stench just come out? Well, no, but you know what you know what was in there? Was a piece of paper that said OG, Mrs. OG, and it had like a list of like all the stuff that we had and the amount of money that we had. And I I can only say that that has to be 25 years old. I mean, I have no idea how old that is. I have no recollection of playing this game ever in my life with her. And there's a note in there that's like, here's all the properties. Here's all the houses. So we went through and did what you said, read the directions, played it by the book and slaughtered the children. It was amazing. Properties get auctioned off if you don't buy them right away. That's a big one. Yeah. Well, well, it's just like, up. okay, uh, Alex, do you want to buy this one for 180 bucks? Nope. Uh, no. We go, great. I bid a dollar. Oh, wait, what? I'm like, yep, dollar. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, $5. And then all of a sudden, and then finally he's like, okay, fine. Um, $500. I'm like, <laughs> you could have bought sold. it for 180 <laughs> Yeah, sold. Here you go. <laughs> you know, just like totally between jail and free parking, my wife had the first three and I had the next three. And what I did was as soon as I was able, I got three houses or, you know, house on each one. And then the the, a lap went, somebody landed on it, boom, got another house on each one. Somebody landed on it. I mean, it got ugly in a hurry. And my my middle kid, he he, he didn't pass go until about an hour into the, into oh, the no. shop. He oh, kept no. on hitting like community chance, go to jail <laughs> or community chest, go to jail. 
you know, he'd, he'd, he'd get out of jail. He'd, he'd roll, go right back into jail. So he was, you know, he was running that gauntlet a couple of times and he was like sobbing, you know? Well, and that's when it was amazingly awesome. That's when it's important to be a wheeler and a dealer. Like when you play by the real rules, you have to wheel and deal, man. You got to say, Hey, I got this property. It's really good. I'll take your kind of crappy one just so that I can have two of the same and then do the same thing with somebody else. Like the last time I played last year, I gave away some phenomenal properties just so I could put together that crappy light blue set on the front, on the front end. I, I, I ended up winning the game because to your point, it goes so fast when you auction those properties off at the start, Holy cow, does it ramp up in a hurry and it, it, the game just gets nasty. So you choked out the supply houses. Uh, I ended up with, um, I had, I had four on, on three properties and then I had another property where I had two and my son wasn't going to let the other one go. And then he starts making the corner and he's like, oh crap. He's like, I'll trade you this one. I go, nah, I'm not interested right now. And then I waited for him to land on a spot and I'm like, all right, you owe me 900 bucks. He's like, I don't have it. I'm like, all right, I'll take that yellow property. And uh, how much cash you got? Why don't you give me that and 50 bucks? See, but that's not in the rules either. He has to go bankrupt. He has to go bankrupt. Oh, no. You know what? You're right. You can't make a deal. He was able to, uh, yeah, you can trade properties. You just can't be the bank for them. Whatever we did, we did it by the book. Yeah, yeah, he's got to mortgage everything. He's got a mortgage. Or he can just sell me the property. Or he can make that deal. Yeah, you can make the deal where he sells you right, where he sells you the property. So basically, yeah, it was that plus cash was he was selling me the property for the nine fifty he owed. You aren't you aren't allowed to do favors for later. You can't say, well, uh, you you can't do favors. Yeah. Well, the problem was was that so then I had those orange ones and then I had the yellow ones at the other end. Oh my goodness! And so he landed there, and then before he rolled, before the next roll happened, I'd already put the houses out for the next one. So he came around, landed on that, and he was gone. I'm like, see you, dude. He's like, dang it. I'm like, yeah, you were done. As soon as you made that corner, you were done. It was, it was impossible. How long did it take for the whole game? Because people talk about how the game takes forever. It was about two hours. Yeah. yeah two and a half. Oh, nine. Yeah, we, we got it done in 90 minutes. There were four. Well, the kids were just. That, no, that's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they haven't played before, so you had to teach them a lesson, grind it out a little bit. That's right. <laughs> my my oldest kid, he was running down. He goes, Dad, is this what it's like in real business? I go, Yes. <laughs> He's like, can I go work for your company? I'm like, no, I'm driving you into the bankruptcy. That's why when when you see Mr. Joe come over, he's always crying. I'm always making him cry. It was so funny because I mean, I mean, my wife is flipping me off and she's pissed. The kids are sobbing. This is exactly you know? why I hate this game. It's exactly why nobody's happy. We're gonna play Ticket to Ride today, and that's gonna that's what's gonna happen in that game too. Because everybody plays Ticket to Ride in my family, figuring out like Oh, oh, I know where you're going. You're going to Memphis. Oh, Boom, my, I'm going to block Really? It. Like, just totally, like... We had this this couple come over. Uh, they're very good friends of ours. We first played Ticket to Ride with them. They had played just the basic, you know, 1950s games that are in your closet. We're like, hey, you, you, you want to you come over and play some games? And we talked about Ticket to Ride. And so they came over. The very first question that Stella had for Cheryl and I was, so how do you block people? <laughs> Like her very first question is, how do we make this just mean and uncomfortable? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know that I want to play games with you. Like that's yeah. the, she, she knew how to butter the bread. She, she knew what was going on. Every time we play games with Rick and Stella, it's, it's, Hey, how do we make this a bloodbath? Let's, let's make sure. You know what I found in my closet? 
Skeletons. I, I must have, obviously, I picked up from you, but uh, I found lunch money. Oh, that game is that game's so non PC. Lunch. Oh, sir. Lunch money. Our 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 mutual friend Paz talks about lunch money all the time. So lunch money is your girls on a playground who all have lunch money and you're beating each other up trying to take their lunch money. Yep. And uh, we, we were back when we used to play a bunch of games at game nights in Detroit before we all moved all over the place. We played lunch money at the end of the night, a bunch of middle-aged dudes beating the hell out Speak of each other. Speak for yourself. I was like 30 at the time. Well, whatever. That's middle age. That's the beginning. Okay, boomer. That's the beginning of the end. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. Of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.